0: We're going to uh, talk today about time and purpose and about how important it is to write the vision and make it plain how important it is to have a vision for your life uh, to know who you are all of those things are very 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 important and I was browsing through <laughs> through um, YouTube yesterday and found something I thought was kind of interesting it's really it was Now, I think I remember who this man is because he was very popular and had a radio program. I won't say when because y'all be sitting up there, (gasps) waiting to exhale. Everybody in your beeswax all of a sudden. But anyway, it was during the 50s. But, uh, and 60s. So he lived until the 1970s, I think. But he was very popular as a, kind of like a life coach motivational before that was proper uh, popular before everybody started doing it so there have always been inspirational people who had were given a platform to share with people so but i thought we would listen to this because it made a lot of sense to me in light of what we understand now to be word of faith now realize he he got this message before our typical Word of Faith teaching came along and got to be so popular, but it's in a very simple form, and I really appreciated hearing it, so hopefully you will, and I, I'll do a little teaching around it. So All right, so praise God.
1: The message audio. you are
2: about to hear was written and recorded on a record in 1956 by Earl Nightingale. This message is the answer to the question that he had been searching for from the time he was about nine years old. Earl Nightingale had been born in economically depressed times. As a child, because they were so poor, Earl desperately wanted to know why some people grew up to enjoy prosperity, while others, like his family, struggled merely to survive. Unable to find answers to his questions from grown-ups, Earl began reading everything he could, believing that someone, somewhere, had the answer. Many years passed, and when Earl was 35 years old, he wrote and recorded this message. It was to be played one Saturday morning to a small group of salesmen during his absence. When Earl returned, he learned that the message had made such a positive impact on the men, they wanted copies to share with their friends and family. Earl arranged with Columbia Records to duplicate the record to meet the many requests. Much to Earl's surprise, in very little time, without any real advertising or marketing, over a million copies had been sold, and he received a gold record. Earl called the message, The Strangest Secret. And this single recording was the seedling from which the entire personal development industry grew. And because Earl had discovered the true meaning of The Strangest Secret, which determines the outcome of one's life, He went from poverty to become one of the most highly recognized voices and names throughout the United States, and from the West Indies to South Africa. His daily radio program, Our Changing World, was the world's most widely sponsored radio program and was heard daily across the United States, Canada, Mexico, Australia, the Bahamas, Guam, New Zealand, Puerto Rico, the Armed Forces Radio, and 30 countries overseas. I'm Diana Nightingale and since my husband's death in 1989, I have continually looked for new effective ways to continue to share Earl's many messages of inspiration with the world. The personal development industry is so vast today and yet people around the world attribute the strangest secret as being the one message that has most positively affected their lives. Earl revised the strangest secret several times over the past 40 years as times changed. Because of these changes, I believe you will appreciate the historic value of this original recording. As you listen, you will notice how the statistics reflect those of the mid-1950s. You'll also hear Earl mention the other side of the record. But 40 years later, the message is as true and valuable as it was then. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the original The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale.
1: I'd like to tell you about the strangest secret in the world. Not long ago, Albert Schweitzer, the great doctor and Nobel Prize winner, was being interviewed in London, and a reporter asked him, Doctor, what's wrong with men today? The great doctor was silent a moment, and then he said, Men simply don't think. And it's about this that I want to talk with you. We live today in a golden age. This is an era that man has looked forward, dreamed of, and worked toward for thousands of years. But since it's here, we pretty well take it for granted. We in America are particularly fortunate to live in the richest land that ever existed on the face of the earth, a land of abundant opportunity for everyone. But do you know what happens? Let's take a hundred men who start even at the age of 25. Do you have any idea what will happen to those men by the time they're 65? These 100 men who all start even at the age of 25 believe they're going to be successful. If you asked any one of these men if he wanted to be a success, he'd tell you that he did. And you'd notice that he was eager toward life, that there was a certain sparkle to his eye, an erectness to his carriage, and life seemed like a pretty interesting adventure to him. But by the time they're 65, one will be rich, four will be financially independent, five will still be working, 54 will be broke. Now think a moment. Out of the 100... Only five make the grade. Why do so many fail? What has happened to the sparkle that was there when they were 25? What's become of the dreams, the hopes, the plans? And why is there such a large disparity between what these men intended to do and what they actually accomplished? When we say about 5% achieve success, we have to define success. And here's the definition. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. If a man is working toward a predetermined goal and knows where he's going, that man is a success. If he's not doing that, he's a failure. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Rollo May, the distinguished psychiatrist, wrote a wonderful book called Man's Search for Himself. And in this book he says, The opposite of courage in our society is not cowardice, it is conformity. And there you have the trouble today. It's conformity. People acting like everyone else, without knowing why, without knowing where they're going. Now think of it. In America right now, there are over 14 million people 65 years of age and over. And about 13 million of these 14 million are broke. They're dependent on someone else for life's necessities. Now we learn to read by the time we're seven. We learn to make a living by the time we're 25. Usually by that time, we're not only making a living, we're supporting a family. And yet, by the time we're 65, we haven't learned how to become financially independent in the richest land that has ever been known. Why? We conform. And the trouble is that we're acting like the wrong percentage group, the 95% who don't succeed. Now, why do these people conform? Well, they don't know, really. These people believe that their lives are shaped by circumstances, by things that happen to them, by exterior forces. They're outer-directed people. A survey was made one time that covered a lot of men, working men, and these men were asked this question. Why do you work? Why do you get up in the morning? Nineteen out of twenty had no idea. If you ask them, they'll say, everyone goes to work in the morning. And that's the reason they do it, because everyone else is doing it. Now let's get back to our definition of success. Who succeeds? The only man who succeeds is the man who is progressively realizing a worthy ideal, He's the man who says, I'm going to become this, and then begins to work toward that goal. I'll tell you who the successful people are. A success is the school teacher who's teaching school because that's what she wanted to do. The success is the woman who's a wife and mother because she wanted to become a wife and mother and is doing a good job of it. The success is the man who runs the corner gas station because that's what he wanted to do. The success is the successful salesman who wants to become a top-notch salesman and grow and build with his organization. A success is anyone who is doing deliberately a predetermined job because that's what he decided to do deliberately. But only one out of 20 does that. That's why today there isn't really any competition, unless we make it for ourselves. Instead of competing, all we have to do is create. Now, for 20 years, I looked for the key which would determine what would happen to a human being. Was there a key I wanted to know which would make the future a promise that we could foretell to a large extent? Was there a key that would guarantee a person's becoming successful if he only knew about it and knew how to use it? Well, there is such a key, and I've found it. Have you ever wondered why so many men work so hard and honestly without ever achieving anything in particular, and others don't seem to work hard and yet seem to get everything? They have the magic touch. You've heard them say that about someone. Everything he touches turns to gold. And have you ever noticed that a man who becomes successful tends to continue to become successful? And on the other hand, have you noticed how a man who is a failure tends to continue to fail? It's because of goals. Some of us have them, some don't. People with goals succeed because they know where they're going. Now think of a ship leaving a harbor and think of it with the complete voyage mapped out and planned. The captain and crew know exactly where it's going and how long it will take. It has a definite goal. 9,999 times out of 10,000, it will get to where it started out to get. Now let's take another ship, just like the first, only let's not put a crew on it or a captain at the helm. Let's give it no aiming point, no goal, no destination. We just start the engines and let it go. I think you'll agree with me that if it gets out of the harbor at all, it will either sink or wind up on some deserted beach, a derelict. It can't go anyplace because it has no destination and no guidance. It's the same with a human being. Take the salesman, for example. There is no other person in the world today with the future of a good salesman. Selling is the world's highest paid profession, if we're good at it, and if we know where we're going. Every company needs top-notch salesmen, and they reward those men. The sky is the limit for them. But how many can you find? Someone once said, the human race is fixed, not to prevent the strong from winning, but to prevent the weak from losing. The American economy today can be likened to a convoy in time of war. The entire economy is slowed down to protect its weakest link, just as the convoy had to go at the speed that would permit its slowest vessel to remain in formation. That's why it's so easy to make a living today. It takes no particular brains or talent to make a living and support a family today. So we have a plateau of so-called security, if that's what a person's looking for, But we do have to decide how high above this plateau we want to aim for. Now let's get back to the strangest secret in the world, the story that I wanted to tell you today. Why do men with goals succeed in life and men without them fail? Well, let me tell you something which, if you really understand it, will alter your life immediately. If you understand completely what I'm going to tell you from this moment on, your life will never be the same again. You'll suddenly find that good luck just seems to be attracted to you. The things you want just seem to fall in line. And from now on, you won't have the problems, the worries, the gnawing lump of anxiety that perhaps you've experienced before. Doubt, fear, well, they'll be things of the past. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now, let me say that again. We become what we think about. Throughout all history, the great wise men and teachers, philosophers and prophets have disagreed with one another on many different things. It is only on this one point that they are in complete and unanimous agreement. Listen to what Marcus Aurelius, the great Roman emperor, said. He said, a man's life is what his thoughts make of it. Disraeli said this, everything comes if a man will only wait. I have brought myself by long meditation to the conviction that a human being with a settled purpose... Must accomplish it, and that nothing can resist a will that will stake even existence for its fulfillment. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this A man is what he thinks about all day long. William James said, The greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. And he also said, We need only in cold blood act as if the thing in question were real, and it will become infallibly real by growing into such a connection with our life that it will become real. It will become so knit with habit and emotion that our interest in it will be those which characterize belief. He also said this, If you only care enough for a result, you will almost certainly attain it. If you wish to be rich, you will be rich. If you wish to be learned, you will be learned. If you wish to be good, you will be good. Only you must then really wish these things and wish them exclusively and not wish at the same time a hundred other incompatible things just as strongly. In the Bible you read, in Mark 9, 23, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale said this, This is one of the greatest laws in the universe. Fervently do I wish I had discovered it as a very young man. It dawned upon me much later in life, and i found it to be one of the greatest, if not my greatest discovery, outside of my relationship to God. And the great law briefly and simply stated is that if you think in negative terms, you'll get negative results. If you think in positive terms, you will achieve positive results. That is the simple fact which is at the basis of an astonishing law of prosperity and success. In three words, believe and succeed. William Shakespeare... Put it this way, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. George Bernard Shaw said, people are always blaming their circumstances for what they are. I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want, and if they can't find them, make them. Well, it's pretty apparent, isn't it? And every person who discovered this for a while believed that he was the first one to work it out. We become what we think about. Now, it stands to reason that a person who's thinking about a concrete and worthwhile goal is going to reach it, because that's what he's thinking about. And we become what we think about. Conversely, the man who has no goal, who doesn't know where he's going, and whose thoughts must therefore be thoughts of confusion and anxiety and fear and worry, becomes what he thinks about. His life becomes one of frustration, fear, anxiety, and worry. And if he thinks about nothing, he becomes nothing. Now, how does it work? Why do we become what we think about? Well, I'll tell you how it works, as far as we know. Now, to do this, I want to tell you about a situation that parallels the human mind. Suppose a farmer has some land, and it's good fertile land. Now, the land gives the farmer a choice. He may plant in that land whatever he chooses. The land doesn't care. It's up to the farmer to make the decision. Now, remember, we're comparing the human mind with the land because the mind, like the land, doesn't care what you plant in it. It will return what you plant, but it doesn't care what you plant. Now, let's say that the farmer has two seeds in his hand. One is a seed of corn. The other is nightshade, a deadly poison. He digs two little holes in the earth, and he plants both seeds, one corn, the other nightshade. He covers up the holes, waters, and takes care of the land, and what will happen? invariably the land will return what is planted. As it's written in the Bible, as ye sow, so shall ye reap. Remember, the land doesn't care. It will return poison in just as wonderful abundance as it will corn. So up come the two plants, one corn, one poison. Now, the human mind is far more fertile, far more incredible and mysterious than the land, but it works the same way. It doesn't care what we plant. Success, failure a concrete worthwhile goal, or confusion, misunderstanding, fear, anxiety, and so on. But what we plant, it will return to us. You see, the human mind is the last great unexplored continent on the earth. It contains riches beyond our wildest dreams. It will return anything we want to plant. Now you might say, well, if that's true, why don't people use their minds more? Well, I think they've figured out an answer to that, too. Our mind comes as standard equipment at birth. It's free, and things that are given to us for nothing, we place little value on. Things that we pay money for, we value. The paradox is that exactly the reverse is true. Everything that's really worthwhile in life came to us free. Our mind, our soul, our body, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, our intelligence, our love of family and children and friends. All these priceless possessions are free, but the things that cost us money are actually very cheap, and can be replaced at any time. A good man can be completely wiped out and make another fortune. He can do that several times. Even if our home burns down, we can rebuild it. But the things we got for nothing, we can never replace. The human mind isn't used merely because we take it for granted. Familiarity breeds contempt. It can do any kind of job we assign to it, but generally speaking, we use it for little jobs instead of big important ones. Universities have proved that most of us are operating on about 10% of our abilities. Decide now. What is it you want? Plant your goal in your mind. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Do you want to be an outstanding salesman, a better worker at your particular job? Do you want to go places in your company, in your community? All you've got to do is plant that seed in your mind. Care for it. Work steadily toward your goal, and it will become a reality. It not only will, there's no way that it cannot. You see, that is a law, like the laws of Sir Isaac Newton, the laws of gravity. If you get on top of a building and jump off, you'll always go down. You'll never go up. And it's the same with all the other laws of nature. They always work. They're inflexible. Think about your goal in a relaxed, positive way. Picture yourself in your mind's eye as having already achieved this goal. See yourself doing the things you will be doing when you've reached your goal. Ours has been called the phenobarbital age, the age of ulcers and nervous breakdowns. At a time when medical research has raised us to a new plateau of good health and longevity, far too many of us worry ourselves into an early grave trying to cope with things in our own little personal ways, without learning a few great laws that will take care of everything for us. These things we bring on ourselves through our habitual way of thinking. Every one of us is the sum total of his own thoughts. He is where he is because that is exactly where he really wants to be, whether he'll admit that or not. Each of us must live off the fruit of his thoughts in the future, because what you think today and tomorrow, next month and next year, will mold your life and determine your future. You're guided by your mind. I remember one time I was driving through Arizona and I saw one of those giant earth-moving machines roaring along the road at about 35 miles an hour with what looked like 20 tons of dirt in it, a tremendous, incredible machine, and there was a little man perched way up on top with the wheel in his hands guiding it. And as I drove along, I was struck by the similarity of that machine to the human mind. Just suppose you're sitting at the controls of such a vast source of energy. Are you going to sit back and fold your arms and let it run itself into a ditch? Or are you going to keep both hands firmly on the wheel and control and direct this power to a specific worthwhile purpose? It's up to you. You're in the driver's seat. You see, the very law that gives us success is a two-edged sword. We must control our thinking. The same rule that can lead a man to a life of success, wealth, happiness, and all the things he's ever dreamed of for himself and his family... That very same law can lead him into the gutter. It's all in how he uses it, for good or for bad. This is the strangest secret in the world. Now, why do I say it's strange, and why do I call it a secret? Actually, it isn't a secret at all. It was first promulgated by some of the earliest wise men, and it appears again and again throughout the Bible. But very few people have learned it, understand it. That's why it's strange and why, for some equally strange reason, it virtually remains a secret. I believe that you could go out and walk down the main street of your town and ask one man after another what the secret of success is, and you probably wouldn't run into one man in a month who could tell you. Now, this information is enormously valuable to us, if we really understand it and apply it. It's valuable to us not only for our own lives, but the lives of those around us, our family, employees, associates, and friends. Life should be an exciting adventure. It should never be a bore. A man should live fully, be alive. He should be glad to get out of bed in the morning. He should be doing a job he likes to do because he does it well. One time I heard Grove Patterson make a speech, the editor-in-chief of the Toledo Daily Blade, and as he concluded his speech, he said something that I've never forgotten. He said something like this. My years in the newspaper business have convinced me of several things among them that people are basically good and that we came from someplace and we're going someplace. So we should make our time here an exciting adventure. The architect of the universe didn't build a stairway leading nowhere. And the greatest teacher of all, the carpenter from the plains of Galilee, gave us the secret time and time again. As ye believe, so shall it be done. Under you
0: praise God amen amen praise God <laughs> amen so he gave the message without preaching but <laughs> he preached anyway so it, it's interesting how people though can take um, spiritual truths and make them available to more people that's all we do as as ministers of the gospel we take the spiritual truths about god and make them available to more and more people so i thought we would talk about time and purpose in relation to what uh, was just shared and our purpose being any worthy accomplishment of any worthy goal he, where he defined what did he define Uh, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal that's what he said success was so as we progressively realize the worthy ideal and that is our ideal is conforming to the image of christ so as we yield ourselves to that purpose we are successful I think it's it's we've robbed ourselves of the true meaning of success in the church because we tend to make it about material things, about accomplishing material things. But I think as long as you're obedient to God, you are successful. Amen. You really are. And you have to look at yourself as every day I get up and I employ myself in obedience to what God has for me today amen and so if you look at your worthy goal it's already been planted in our hearts so we don't have to look for anything you're like this gentleman was saying uh uh, if you want to be a good salesman you know purpose in your heart you're going to do that be employed in it every day all of that we already have that part taken care of because we know what the worthy goal is that is in our lives and so as we submit ourselves to god he causes us to be shaped and molded just in your daily activities he will cause you to be shaped and molded into the image of christ if you're obedient to god and i think that's the beauty of it because god does make it easy for us to accomplish to please him to do all of the things that that he wants us to do the thing i want us to become aware of is that god gives us time for certain purposes amen he does not give you time for any purpose other than what he has ordained for your life and i think that's where say like his example of a man who uh, succeeded versus you know the five the five out of a hundred that were, were successful in the 95 that weren't. What What makes us successful is our realizing what it is God has us here for and sticking with it and being on time with it. Because that's the other factor in any type of success is that there is time allotted for certain things and there is no time allotted for certain other things. So if you'll turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I think it is. Praise God. <clears throat> I, I see sometimes people being concerned and worried and nervous about, I missed this, I missed that, I, don't, I can't do this, or I can't do that, or I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that. Um, if you look at what the word says, I think you'll get some peace about how you use your time you know ecclesiastes 3 1 it says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven so there is a season and a time for a purpose so you're given time for a reason you're given time for a purpose you're giving time to accomplish certain things now the bible also says that God has predestined us to conform to the image of Christ. So your purpose is conforming to the image of Christ, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your purpose is tied to spiritual things, not so much natural things. And so when you come into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to flip around your way of thinking. Because when, you know, the first thing that people do is they put themselves on some kind of schedule. When somebody asks you when you're 12 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so we put ourselves on some kind of a schedule to be something. When people come back and check with you later and say, "Um, I remember when you told me you were going to do so-and-so, did you do that? And your answer is no. Why? Because people outside of God never find their true purpose. So pretty much you're not going to stick with anything that you said you were going to do. And if it gets to the point where you think you're running out of time, you get hasty about it. You want to speed it up. You want to rush through it. You want to go ahead and find it real quick. Why? Because everybody is on this running out of time thing. And we are running out. Every day that goes by, every minute that goes by, you have less time to accomplish things than you had the day before. So time somehow puts a pressure on us. Whether it's negative or positive, it can put a pressure on us to conform. For instance, if you know church starts at 1030, you know what time you have to leave your house to get there on time amen so the pressure is on now most people don't like pressure so what do we do we tell ourselves it's not important so we come when we get ready to oh barb you were talking about that man with that cute message how'd you get way over there because it's relevant everything's relevant i think from that message that man was saying that you feel good about accomplishing a goal that you even set for yourself it doesn't have to be something spiritual worthy lofty it can just it'll shock you the people that go to the gym and they drag it in there when they come out they're all patting themselves on the back they feel much better about it because they've realized some goal they set for themselves even if we don't think it's a worthwhile goal just small things that we do and accomplish them make us feel good. People who do not accomplish do not encourage themselves to accomplish anything. They never set a goal. Some people are afraid of goals because they are afraid that if they don't make it something, what does that mean? That means I'm a failure. You understand what I'm saying? So we don't know how to handle goal setting, purpose, All of these things very well because they're kind of foreign to the carnal mind. Why? Because everybody's born with a negative mindset and failure is at the end of every negative thought that comes into our heads. And so we're afraid to set goals because we know we don't have the means to accomplish them. And that's where God comes in. God is the one who inspires us to set the goals that we set. He is the one that gives us the gifts everything that that you need for success is already in you. And as a Christian you've got the edge on the world because you have the ability you have divine ability when your natural ability runs short you can draw from God. And so we have that reserve within us when you if you sit down and you write out some things that you want to accomplish And you get to a a tough point in there and you wonder, how is this going to happen? You've got God to help you. God, if this is for me, can you show me how you're going to do this? Are you going to be there for me? I'm trusting you to be there when I need you so that I can accomplish this because it's something that I have on the inside of me that I've always wanted to do. And so when we begin to understand really how we're we're made and what time and purpose are for, then I think we'll be more comfortable and not so panicky and not so anxious and not so fearful. You know, like at, at the end of every thought sometimes there's this big black hole of fear that we're scared we'll drop off into. Like sometimes we're afraid to dream big. Sometimes we're afraid to think big because, oh, boy, I don't want to get myself out there and then it don't work, you know. And and what this gentleman is saying is it's safe to think like that. See, you we need to know as believers it's safe to think outside of the box think of something bigger than what we can accomplish something bigger than who we are something more lofty now your big thing may be carried out in a small environment you understand what i'm saying so as long as that see your big thing is whatever god plants in your heart and so when you have your big thing on the inside of you this outer environment and your carnal mind will fight you to, to, for that thing to live. Cause the worst thing that can happen in your life and to the devil, to the, well to the devil's plan for your life is that that big thing that God puts in you would live. If that thing begins to live, then the devil knows he's defeated. So you get into the 5% that succeed, and then he is, he has to settle for the 95 that don't. You understand? And so when God puts something on the inside of us, the works that we do are foreordained. I mean, you go into the corner store... And saying hi to the same people, oh, those are preordained. God ordained for you to be there. Oh, but there's nothing big happening. Oh, but you don't know what God's doing. And see, that's where faith comes in. Faith comes in to help us realize that as long as you have the peace of God abiding in you, and you know you're being obedient to God, then you know that the big thing is actually happening in your life. Many of us judge big based on things that the world thinks are important, you know. Even in the church world, people think big is having 20,000 people in your church. That's what we think success is. We always look in terms of numbers. We look in terms of, of crowd size and in terms of all that stuff. And and that has nothing to do with big at all, because if your purpose is to obey God, if he didn't put you in a big arena, you haven't obeyed him. See? And so if it's if somebody's gotta take care of the one lost, let somebody else tend the ninety and nine. But you've got to be a person to go after the one lost one. And that's what God that's where God is. That's where you'll find him is in taking care of the ones that would get away, but for God. Amen? But for God. So big de- depends on what your worthy goal is or what, what worthy goal did God put on the inside of you. And for all of us, it's the same. It's easy. It's conforming to the image of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean sitting back and taking on uh joy and peace Letting it bathe you all day long, you know, like a, a lump of clay. But the image of Christ is formed in activity. It's formed in being active in things. It's forming, getting out, and preaching the gospel, and praying for the sick, and not just when we put on everybody got a green shirt on, but any time that God puts you before somebody, do you have the boldness and the confidence in Him to know He wants to take that to everybody? The other part of it is your personal growth and development. God wants a a bride who's mature. You know, in the Song of Solomon, there's a scripture in there. It, it, there. And people, you know, we read read over Song of Solomon and just, well, I don't know what this is about. But it, it says we have a little sister and she has no breasts. Well, that means she's not mature enough for marriage. And so God doesn't want that type. A bride he wants a mature bride if he calls you a bride you got to fit the description in every way you understand what i'm saying and so while we're kind of running around flat chested for years huh god wants us to bring us into a maturity so that he can share certain things with us he can trust us with certain things he can put certain amounts of power into your life he can adorn you with certain Ways of thinking, ways of behaving, all of those things. He wants us to conform to what he saw us to be many, many years ago. Before you got into this world, before you got into sin, before you threw your life, almost threw your life away but for God. Amen. And so he, he has an image of us on the inside of him that daily he's shaping us into that every day. Huh? I, I had a neighbor one time, he and my husband, I didn't know, they, my husband would tell me every now and then some of their little conversations. But he was scared of his wife and Aubrey was scared of me. You know what I'm saying? Because we're both Christians. His wife taught the Bible and, you know, she'd take those stuff off. She said, oh, Terry, you know, and go back in the house. You know, he thought he'd tell Aubrey, he said, I see you got your wife shaped up. She out there doing this. Like, you know, I was I would do, you know, like do the, uh snow or something like that to plow the snow off hey you got it shaped up you know put put him through her paces you know well that's what the lord does for us that's a husband's job to put his wife through her paces take some of the man out of her (laughs) you know what i'm saying so he don't wind up gay you understand what i'm saying And the rest of y'all just go to sleep, okay? I've been dealing with this too long. Whatever. I don't know. Let me get a drink here. (laughs) It made me me lose my train of thought. But the Lord is developing us into a mature bride. You don't want some chick who's going to be whining about her stuff all the time. What? well, I don't really date nobody who don't do so That's why you don't date nobody. You don't find nobody that crazy, do all come in doing everything. It don't work like that. <laughs> we gotta work up to that. But Jesus, but Jesus loves us. <laughs> he loves us rough cut. But you ain't gonna stay that way, trust me. There's, there's things in us that he, he, you know, you'll see glimpses of who you are throughout your life. Little little things that uh, are characteristic of you that are unique and unusual to you. And maybe unique and unusual in your environment. In your household, you might be the unique one. You might be the one who's a little bit different, who uh, thinks a little bit harder about things, a little more... Um, maybe a little more serious from time to time all that kind of stuff those are our glimpses of your future glory that God put those things in you for a purpose and that purpose is worked out in a uh, in a uh, a span of time that God has to be totally in control of you know there'll come times when when God will say no listen you better get Stop doing this because we got to move on. You understand what I'm saying? Or it's no time for this right here. I want you over here. I'd let you do that for a season, but that's not going to be your life's work. You understand? And so God begins to shape us up and cause us to conform. So there are purposes in the earth that time is allotted for. You notice the Bible says under heaven because in heaven there is no time. By the time you get to heaven, your purpose is set on such a definite course that it's the end of it, it's already worked out already. So you don't need time up in heaven to accomplish anything because you're already set in eternity. Everything you're going to accomplish has to be done down here. That's why people tell you, you better go witness to so-and-so because they ain't going to be here much longer. You know, Get your affairs in order. That means more with God than it means anything else. And so once you know, and and see, we know the purpose of salvation is an earth purpose. It's It's got to be worked out down here. And you're only given so much time to work out that purpose for your eternal destiny. And so when you understand that, you'll realize why God has a restraint on our time for certain things and to be done at a certain time. Like our friend, uh, 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 Mr. Nightingale, who was talking about the 95% who never achieved. They thought they had forever to do it. See, that's, that's what it is. It's a gross mismanagement of time and judging time for certain purposes in your life. You'll see that most people, are marriage and family, are for young adulthood. You know, I mean, if that's really what your plan is, for the most people, part, people have to work that out within that span of time. But you're given, what, 20 years or so? You know, now people have, women have children up into their 40s. And so it's, it's something that, that needs to be worked out in that span of time so that it can be timely and you can get those things worked out. You also have to work in preparing for your old age for your retirement and all that kind of stuff there's a lot that has to be packed in to that span of time so it makes sense to have a plan to stay on schedule to not get in a hurry for anything and to not drag so that you won't be late now how can you do that all of that without god's help you can't do it without god because you're going to miss something you're going to sit down one day and say, I spent all that time working. I should have been spending it with my kids. Nobody ever says, I didn't make enough money, and I spent all that time with my kids. If you spent time with those children, you, you're a settled person. Why? Because that's a spiritual goal that God has. You understand what I'm saying? That is a spiritual goal that he, has, he also set in your heart the desire to be successful as a parent to be well thought of as a parent because you'll be a parent throughout the life lifespan of those children and grandchildren so that's going to have to be the biggest investment of your life is what i think now i might be wrong but you know now there there are ways where god can help you with your time but if you fail at that that's a major failing because you see people at the end of their life the kids don't visit them don't care about them don't know where they are And it's just reaping what's been sown. So some things you can't get time back for them. You have to do them on time, on schedule, in a timely manner. Sometimes God will have unique things come into your life that have to be factored in. you got to let God work that into your life. When people are called to preach... You know, sometimes they, oh, preacher's kids, oh, what a mess up, oh, they say, oh, no, you'll never, they lament too much about what's normal for people in their situation. God knows exactly what your children need. He knows you're not, you're not neglecting them to take care of the church. That's the devil picking at your kids. Teach them how to rebuke the devil and just go take your place on the front row and Monday through through Saturday is yours and Sunday is for the church people. You understand what I'm saying? Let's get this thing out of our minds that when God comes in, your life is over. Or when God tells you to do something, it's messed up. You'll never get to do what you want to do. And that's what people think because that's the thought the devil puts there. He puts that in everybody's head. Well, you know, God, how you call the preacher, well, you got it. You ain't going to do this. You ain't going to be able to do this. And yeah, they give you a list of you don't do's. Huh? Yeah, but I'll please God. Anything I can't do, I'll let him take care of it. But I'm a this right here, I'm going to do this first. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? You got to do the things God first. You can't wait, make him wait. He's either God or he's not. God's been dealing with, yeah, I got a prophecy, I'm supposed to do so. Well, why come you ain't doing it? Huh? Oh, we don't want to face that. Could that be why nothing else goes right in your life? Oh, Bart, hey, we was talking about that nice man with... do 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 I was liking that little music, that little jitterbug music, whatever that stuff is. I wasn't born but whatever. You understand what I'm saying? See, this is the difference between success and not success. <laughs> we all want success. But are we willing to make the sacrifices and do the things that are necessary for it? And most people aren't. You understand what i'm saying i mean i'm not saying that to say you shouldn't try to pull yourself out of that 95 but i'm just saying it does take more than just wanting it you have to be working at it every day you understand what i'm saying U.S. people who are millionaires they ain't sleeping at six o'clock in the morning in fact they've been up a couple of hours already <laughs> billionaires don't ever sleep <laughs> you understand what i'm saying because there there are certain things they have to do to maintain that position where there is sometimes maintenance is harder than getting that's why some of us have to wait so long for some of the things God promised us because maintenance is harder sometimes than attaining see we can all get a good credit score And go get the sign on the dotted line and for 45 days we have a good time. But on the 45th day that bill is coming and has to be paid. Every month. So we got to make provisions to make sure that it's going to be there when it's due repeatedly. See that's the difference between acquiring and maintaining. Maintaining's always the hardest job. And that's why God may have us wait. And we don't know why we waiting so long. He's waiting for you to have enough faith and confidence in him for the monthly note. Not just for getting it in there. You understand what I'm saying? Because he'd rather see you wait a little bit longer and maintain than to get it right away and get repoed. Huh? You ever there calling me? I, I know he got some room in the pole barn. No, not for your car. That's getting to not for them to come over here and start tearing up my garage door. I'm not doing it, huh? People move them cars around. They got a rotating garage. <laughs> True, huh? That's for not having a, a, a purpose and a worthy ideal involved. In everything that you desire, you have to keep your integrity. you got to keep your, your position in God. you got to keep the character. you got to take the character of God in there with you in possessing the things that you desire. Character does matter. If it don't matter these crazy people in the world, it matters to God. And you are destined... To conform to the image of his son. Period. You're not destined to be wealthy. You're not destined to be uh, wonderful. You're not destined for a lot of things. But you are destined to conform to his son's image. And guess what? When you start cooperating with him. You will have joy. You will enjoy it. Amen. Because that's part of the image of Christ. Is to do the father's will. And to live only to do his will. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. I don't live off what y'all live off of. You tell that to anybody. You understand me? When they question you and you, yeah, I always at that. Yeah, I am. Huh? I'm where I'm supposed to be. Where are you? Huh? Begging for prayer. People call me for prayer. I don't beg nobody for it. You got me? So there's a time for every purpose under heaven. As long as we're under heaven, there's going to be a time limit on what God has for us, before us, and for us to accomplish. Creativity equals success. When you come to a dead end of ideas, how creative are you? To search God's word and find answers to open the doors that seem to be close to you. Huh? It's amazing. You'd be praying for something one day and the next day it's sitting up in your garage. Huh? And the day before you was going all nuts, wonder, wonder when, wonder, wonder, wonder. And then you feel stupid because you sat up there wasted all that time. You could have been joyful. You spent wondering. Huh? Wondering will short-circuit your progress in time. Wondering takes time away from you in the purpose that God has for you. Well, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You can't spend a no t- lot of time wondering about stuff. You got to either get an answer from God, God, I want to know this is you. I'm not going to sit here and trying to figure out if this is for me, not for me, what it's for, but I need to know. See, the bold person and the confident person can take an answer from God. Whether it's yes or no, he can take an answer. The the person who's not going to be successful makes up his own answer. You just came to that conclusion because that's the way you always think. If it gets too hard, we just drop it. We don't say it was God or wasn't God. We just dropped it. The fact that you dropped it means that you're fearful to pursue and get an answer from God. Amen? Most of us look for answers from God when our back is against the wall. Huh? Can't take it no longer. I just got to know. No, it's true. That's because we don't fully trust him. Haven't really completely made him your friend. Huh? you still think he's got some bad news for you somewhere. And he's never had bad news for you. If you think about it, all the things you messed up and didn't do right came from you. They didn't come from him. <laughs> the guy will say stuff like, I don't know why you over there messing with that. This is what I got for you over here. You just won't come over here where I am and get it. Goals, vision, and purpose do not come to everybody. They don't come to everybody. They come to the ones who seek. Knock, and it shall be open to you. Seek, you shall find. Amen? Ask, and it will be given. Success does require a goal, a destination, and a purpose. Your purpose in life is to do good. I don't care in all that you do for yourself and all that you get for yourself. Your purpose in life is to do good. That's what the anointing is for. And everybody who's born again has the Holy Spirit, amen, dwelling within. It grows to an anointing when there's purpose attached to what you're doing. The anointing shows up for a purpose. It's not just hovering over you and you never do anything. God's not stupid. Huh? He doesn't waste his power on people who have no love, no compassion, not interested. I'm saved. Well, if it's just for you. Some people say things like, oh, you know, I was praying one time and, and, and God had me go and do so and so and such and such. I said, yeah. Do you do it often? No, I just that one time. Huh? Now this is common. Because people don't really understand their purpose. What he did then was supposedly your life's work. If you went and ministered to somebody once, hello, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to everybody. People call them faith accidents. You just happen to be. You know, there's a time where God will anoint you to let you know that he wants to use you. But it's not he did that and it happened one time and didn't happen again. It's supposed to be a continual. We're supposed to be in the business of helping people and doing good. Amen? So he's trying to get your confidence that he will use you, but it's up to you to submit yourself to him using you continually. Here's where the test will come. It may not happen again. That unction may not happen again on you for many months or or a year or years. But if it came upon you one time, you have evidence that God will use you. Amen? And you're to seek more of that. Because that's what he put us here for. He put us here to continually help humanity. Not when we get free time or not when we don't have anything else to do or not when our dance card is empty, but as a priority. And I believe that's why most people don't get used by God because we don't make it a priority. We just don't. We just, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, well, well, I got to do so and so. We list 10 things we want to do first instead of seeking God. Where do you want me? What do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do it? And just make yourself available first. Amen? First thing, God, I'm available to you. First thing, God, I want you to use me to help somebody today. First thing, God, I'm, I'm willing to do this for you. Amen? And so if we'll we'll stay with our purpose and stay with our time in that purpose, God will reward us with more of the same. We get to do more for God. I know that doesn't excite a lot of people, but I don't know how I can do more. I'm doing all I can do right now. See, that's the wrong attitude. God creates time for us. He creates purpose for us. There may be days He'll shut every door you try to get in just to keep you somewhere where He needs you to be. Huh? But it's better if we learn how to work with Him, learn how to commit our ways to Him so He can really direct our steps and direct where we go and what we do and how we do it. It's better. Because you're that way, you're respecting time. See, if you can respect time, put a high value on time and how you use it. Time spent with God is always high value. Your life will go further if you make sure that you give God first consideration in all things and give him prime time. Don't ever get so busy that, you know, you you don't, you know, you put off prayer, you put off reading the word, you put off worshiping God, put off, put off, put off. I know there are seasons where we need him more or seem to need him more than others. And, and we'll go at it real hard. But we need to keep that balance within us where we are constantly at least reflecting on God meditating on his word, what he's told us he wants to do for us, thanking him within you through worship, for healing you, for blessing you, thanking you for what's coming. Thank him for all of these. See, that contact, living contact with him is the most important thing that we can do, no matter what form it's in. It's called fellowship. It's called communion. It's called being a friend with him acclimating yourself to him that's part of your purpose too that is in itself a worthy goal even if god doesn't open the door for you to minister to somebody that day you spent time with him he you were available to him he was there infusing you with his spirit with the fruit of the spirit everything that you need to sustain your own spirit through difficult times, through easy times, through lonely times, through whatever kind of time, that time spent with him of high value because of who you're with. So, so just meditating, spending time with him is part of your purpose as well. Now this gentleman talked about you, you are what you think. And we know the Bible says that. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He's talking about he didn't make the distinction between spiritual and carnal thinking. But I think it applies to us because we do have a mind in our spirits. So when he says you are what you think, my my take on that is a Christian is able to think by his spirit man at all times. See, you're able to meditate on the word. You're able to create out of what God feeds your mind of the spirit all of those things, it's time well spent because you're spending your time in the mind of God. You're not imagining vain things. So the distinction has to be made between what mind you're spending time in. Are you spending time in the mind of the Spirit? Do you discipline yourself that if, if the enemy comes in to you with negative thoughts and, and why is this and why is all these questions... The mind of the spirit has answers. So you meditate answers. God, why is it that I haven't done this yet or I haven't done that yet or I haven't accomplished this yet? And if he gives you an answer, fine. But usually the mind of the spirit will tell you you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And there's a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. And so you begin to hasten these things to occur in your life because you're giving time to them through meditation and causing them to grow. When you listen to, to the scripture that says, by types you are healed. Whereas all last week and, and for for months, you've been bugged with a symptom. And all of a sudden, you go to think about that and you realize you haven't had that thing in about a week now because somehow you meditated your way into health and medicine into your body whereas before you made the choice to focus on your pain then you made the choice to focus on the word and the word won out and so the pain left and you don't even realize that it left and when it's left it's just not there anymore why because now you're in the mind of the spirit and the mind of the spirit has no problems. Amen. It has no fears. It has no doubts. So you can make that switch whenever you want to. You find yourself drifting off and thinking negative all your ah, stop. In the name of Jesus, I, I declare that I will think only what's good, pure, lovely, of good report, praiseworthy, and thankworthy. That's how people succeed. They discipline themselves to think only the things that God would have them think. Only the things that will build up and edify what it is that you're on your way to accomplish. That's what you think on. You don't think on, on what we don't have or, or lack this or lack that. Successful people never do. They do not think lack. If that's in your that's your first discipline, to quit thinking that way lack will make sure it brings itself into your life if you meditate on it failure will do the same thing god's law is always working in us to be fruitful multiply replenish we are we are created to increase succeed prosper and not fail and so once you purpose to work in god's purpose there will always be success increase, not failure. Now, who measures that and how do they measure it? Well, God measures it. Hmm? See, our mistake sometimes is looking at situations and judging them incorrectly. We don't judge them the way God does. See, when, when you go out and, and you minister to somebody, you're automatically a success. When you make yourself available to give somebody an answer in God, you're already a success. So nobody can hang failure. I don't care if you never get the house, you never get the kids, you never get the car, you never get the whatever. You are still a success. You are not a failure. Amen. Because you've been daily working in God's purpose for your life. I'm not talking about somebody else's life. I'm talking about yours. You can't compare your life with anybody else's life but yours. Amen? At the end of life, can you sit back and say, I did everything in my power to accomplish what God set before me. Sometimes some things aren't set before you and you can't make them happen. You understand what I'm saying? You can't force them. They have to be on your schedule for your life at that point. You can't make God make you somebody else. Because that's usually what people are hung up on. Amen. They look and see somebody else. You know why we do that? Always looking at what somebody else has and then we make up our mind that we want that. Because we're scared to ask God for ours. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're so convinced he don't have nothing for you. All you can do is go shopping in somebody else's life for what you want. See, we got to learn how to trust God. He didn't put you here for nothing, for no reason, and you're not worthless. But you got to prove that to yourself through the word. You've got to prove that to yourself through meditating on what God gives you, your daily portion. He is your portion. You don't need what somebody else has to have a portion in life. Sinners do that. We don't have to do that. So a purpose of accomplishing goals, the purpose of accomplishing goals that God gives us, number one is to be successful. Be fruitful. Multiply. That means increase whatever gift he's given you. Increase whatever ability. Work it out. Make it perfect. Make it flawless. Keep iron in the shirt to get all the wrinkles out of it. Uh I remember when I was a little girl, my mother used to tell us, Girl, you better get them cat faces out of this. (laughs) Well, not your cat, because he don't have no wrinkles in his face. That little fat thing. poor little patches was that him on facebook for real or was that the fake cat up there oh okay i was gonna say oh my goodness i was gonna you know arrange an intervention god praise god but we, I get mad cause I iron a shirt and I think it's all ironed and she said, uh, uh-uh, uh, 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 uh. oh, Lord, here we go again. But there's a purpose to it. I thank God for mothers that didn't let their kids half step, get away with everything. Huh? She saw a purpose to it. Amen. And sometimes parents can't even articulate why they, they are adamant about certain things. It's just in them to make you do it right. Because you'll feel better for accomplishing something than you will for just doing it halfway and getting over. Huh? You'll spend your life trying to get over on halfway. And that's robbing you of your purpose. Your purpose is to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, succeed, have God's perfection in things in your life. The purpose takes time, and time is given by God to accomplish our assigned and desired goals. There are certain things that you want, and God approves of those. Certain things you want, he may not approve of, or he'll approve of them later in your life. You have to accept it. Amen? Some some people have been slated for miracles they never got because of impatience. Huh? You ever think about some of the people who say, Well, for me to get that it's gonna take a miracle? Bang. Who you think put that and yet that miracle will come if you commit it to God. You understand what I'm saying? That's him trying to tell you, I want you to have that, but it's not for right now. Think of the testimony that that God could have sometimes in our lives if we did get the miracle if we did just go ahead and say okay god i'm going to trust you with this that at the right time you will bring it into my life you got me and just trust him to do the miracle thing he wants to do because that's what he wants to do with you amen an enemy of time and purpose is lack of vision you got to stay in the word folks Habakkuk 2 4 tells us write the vision and make it plain. Why? Not just so you can talk about what God told you, you're gonna do it, a prophecy you got, but you can run with it. You can get up and do something with it. Amen. A vision is made to run, it's not to talk about. Many times we don't envision ourselves doing the things God has purposed for us to do. You gotta clarify your vision. You gotta the only way you do that, you gotta get more in the word spend more time with him he will adjust your focus amen prophecy provides vision it's a picture of something that will definitely work for us it is not something that will be a waste of time if we pursue it that's why god gives you prophecy so you'll know yet yeah, this you can take to the bank huh cash the check and spend the money and so if if god puts that in you like that then you work on that you don't work on something else amen many people do not handle prophecy correctly they collect it like they do horoscopes like it's one more coming tomorrow prophecy must be pursued and followed we must keep it in mind before the lord because it's our vision to fulfill our purpose Wherever you're believing, whenever you're believing God for something, keep it in a positive and encouraged mindset. Don't put it over in the garbage can of it won't happen or wonder when it's going to happen. God, I thank you that this is for me. I thank you that I believe I received it when I prayed. I received it by prophecy and it's mine. And I thank you for it. Amen. Don't let it slip out of your thinking and get over into the waste pile of doubt and fear and it won't happen because if we leave it over there it will not happen amen so keep it in positive and encouraged mindset your mind is a fertile soil for your visions and dreams allow yourself to encourage yourself in your vision and purpose when you find yourself being ashamed to say you want something that you know god has already given you you're in trouble because you've allowed negative mindset and forces to begin to try and capture that thing, you break out through thanksgiving. God, I thank you, forgive me, Lord, for feeling bad about something you promised me and going back on my promise to myself that I believed you. I believe you again, Lord, forgive me I'm going to put breathe new life onto that promise so that I don't wind up the ninety five who are mediocre. I want to be over there with the people who are successful, because you are success. When you have certain things that you want from God, begin to act like they are yours. That's always faith. If you're expecting a promotion uh, or a job promotion, act your new role. Go buy some new clothes. Hey? Get some accessories. That look like, look, look like you make more money than you made in your last job. Amen? Amen. You gotta do these things. Read about others in the profession and begin to study what they studied so that you can be better at what you do. Amen? Learn how to put, keep a good environment around you that breeds success. Because God has ordained it for you. It's your God-ordained privilege to be a success. And always make sure you cultivate that. Amen? So we're going to stop. Father, we thank you for allowing us understanding of your word. Thank you, Lord, for for Brother Nightingale. Bless his family, Father. Bless his children, his grandchildren. Hopefully they are following and they're successful. So we thank you for success. Thank you, Lord, for people who can explain your word in such simple terms. And we love you, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God.